I want to speak this morning about uh, becoming wiser, becoming wiser. Good topic, eh? You like that? I think I've done it for me, not for you, actually. So uh, I'll start off with, uh, I just want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, and it says, I say this because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scripture says, he catches those who think they are wise in their own clever traps. It's an interesting scripture, isn't it? How many people have noticed that when they read the Bible, a lot of the stuff in the Bible seems quite strange when you think about earthly wisdom. And when you look at things in earthly wisdom, a lot of earthly wisdom seems quite bizarre when you take it back to a biblical kind of evidence in that. You know, often I uh, watch the news and some years, you know, you'll see they've made this great big discovery. They've dug up a, a toenail of a dinosaur or some little little bone from down here. And, and, and then from that they say, and this is the dinosaur that it belonged to. Now it's the only bone that's been discovered and it's some toe, you know, or some part of the foot. And then they have this big picture of this is what it looked like 200 million years ago. And it, and this is how, where it was in the pecking order. And this is, is what it um, fed on. And, and this is how it behaved. And I often sit there and I think, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder if I gave them a nut or a bolt, if they could tell me what car it comes from. Or what aeroplane it comes from. Or they probably could with, because aeroplane parts are stamped with serial numbers and that, so they probably could with that. But I've often, I've often thought, you know, you, you get a little toe or something and then you show, and then you show this, this creature that's got a chicken's head and a cow's body and a, and, you know, and a horse, you know, striped like a zebra and, you know, it, it always amuses me. Uh, now, now that's not to uh, say that there's not uh, some great stuff in uh, in knowledge and in and in, in uh, intelligence in, in the world and that, but the th- I'm constantly thinking about God's wisdom, God's intelligence, and uh, so I thought we could talk about that this morning. Um, you know, God's wisdom is different from worldly wisdom. God's God's intelligence is different from worldly intelligence. You know, we place a lot of importance on the uh, intellect that we have, how many letters we have after our name, uh, and all that stuff. And that and that is all good stuff. So I'm not I'm not undermining that and and talking about that. This is just to look at some godly thoughts on it, uh, because God has. I've realised when I think about God's wisdom. Sometimes his way of approaching wisdom and knowledge, and that is quite different in the way he approaches. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse uh, 6 and 7, David uh, Samuel turns up, and backstory before I get into it, uh, basically Israel had a king called Saul, and he, he hadn't done such a great job, and so God decided that he needed to transition to another king. And he informed Saul that he would not be the king going forward. And Samuel, who was a prophet, was sent to anoint or um, kind of start the initial process for choosing the new king. And he went to the family of David, who we know became the king of Israel. And as he 
got there, he it says that he saw um, uh, the first brother, and uh, and he looked at the brother, um, and I'll read it out just so you so we get it all actually. But it says when when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Interesting thought, isn't it? He was big and he was probably brave and he probably looked like what a king should look like. And Samuel could be forgiven because David would only be the second king. Saul was the very first king. And and it noted with Saul that that Saul stood ahead above everyone else. And he was just a fighting machine. You know, he was was, uh, looked like the kind of king that Israel thought a king should look like. But God told Samuel here, don't look at the outside because the way I choose people, what I look for in people is very different from what you see on the outside. And so he chose David. And if you uh, know about David or you read the, study, uh, the life of David, and that, David had a heart for God. And that is what captured God, the fact that David had this heart. He spent time with God as a young boy right through uh, many years and had some great triumphs in God. But it was all based on the fact that he loved God and he spent time with God and he had this heart relationship with God. Did you know there's also a wisdom that belongs to God and a wisdom that belongs to the world. There's this interesting scripture. It's in James uh, chapter 3, verse 15, and it says, that kind of wisdom does not come from God. That wisdom comes from the world. It is not spiritual. It is from the devil. Where there is jealousy and selfishness, there will be confusion and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good to others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. It's an interesting description of wisdom, isn't it? Does it sound like something else? We'll get to something else as we go through. The more I read it, the, th- the more I, I realize that doesn't sound like wisdom, the kind, of, the kind of wisdom that I normally think is linked to intelligence. It also says in Matthew 11 that God hides some wisdom and intelligence. And Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. So again, the way God does stuff is a little bit strange, isn't it? He hides stuff from wise people, but he presents them to infants. Why do you think he presents them to infants? Why do you think he reveals that kind of stuff to infants or Jesus says that? 
Any ideas? Sorry? Pure hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was talking about heart issue again. It all comes back to heart issues, doesn't it? So the thing I realized, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge effectively is what we know. Wisdom is what we do with what we know. Wisdom is what we do with what we know. So I can know the road rules and I can know that I'm meant to stay on the left-hand lane. But it's not till I'm out driving and I start actually exercising, keeping left, that I actually demonstrate that I'm a wise driver. In fact, if I drive along on the right-hand side, I have all this knowledge that I understand the keep left rule, but I show that I'm foolish by driving on the right-hand lane. So the way I um, demonstrate and use what I know determines whether I'm wise or foolish. There's a beautiful example in the Bible. It's not that beautiful, but um, it's 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And it's a story of Solomon. And Solomon had two, he, one of his jobs as king would be to sit on, and uh, he would judge. And people would bring hard situations to him and he would judge who was right and who was wrong and very much as you go to court now and a judge sits Solomon would judge and he had two prostitutes come to him and one of them uh, told the story and said we had two babies around the same time uh, and um, the other prostitute rolled on her baby and uh, suffocated it and it died and she got up through the night after that happened and she swapped it with my baby and so I woke up this morning and I went to nurse my baby and I looked at it and I realized it's not my baby it's her baby and she's taken my alive infant my living infant and swapped it and the other prostitute said no 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 it's the other way around she swapped it with me so basically they were one baby had died, one baby was alive, and they were arguing over whose right it was to have the living child. Solomon did a very bizarre thing. Now, you've got to realize Solomon had grown up, he was, he was a king, and he would have been taught knowledge. He would have been taught principles of judging people. He would have been taught this is the kind of things you take into account. He would have been taught laws and rules and you know, all kinds of things. But he did something very strange that he never would have been taught. He said, go and get my sword. And they brought a sword to him. And he said, cut the, ba- the uh, alive baby in half, give half to one and half to the other. It's a w- weird way to decide, isn't it? Cut it in half and give half to one and half to the other. It says that uh, as we're about to do that, the mother of the child, as we can imagine she would, said, don't do that. Don't do that. She can have, she can have the baby. I don't, and he said, that's the real mother. Give the baby to that mother. It says at that, at that point that, that, the, uh, that everyone basically realized at that point how wise Solomon really was. 
So Solomon had knowledge, but it's what he did with that knowledge that really demonstrated that it was wisdom, how wise he really was. And, and the Bible records that he is the wisest king that ever lived. There's another example in the Bible. It's, it's traditionally known as the, um, the ten wise and foolish virgins. Uh, later ver- versions, it just says the, the, ten, uh, the ten women um, or ten girls. And basically it's this situation, uh, there were ten women and uh, they were waiting for, they'd been told that their bridegroom, this is a story Jesus told, uh, they, were, they were told that their bridegroom was coming and they were told to go and wait and it was night time. So they took their lamps and they had their lamps with them and they waited and the bridegroom was delayed in his travels to go and, and get them, to marry them and they fell asleep. And then in the early hours of the morning, the bridegroom, uh, the announcement came, the bridegroom is almost here. They jumped up and they turned their lamps on and trimmed their wick. Now, trimming their wick is a term we don't normally talk about, but it, but basically if a, if a wick in a lamp is really long, it burns lots of fuel and it doesn't actually burn as brightly as it normally does. So by trimming a wick to about a quarter of an inch, it's short, it burns less fuel, but it actually burns, uh, makes the light brighter. They suddenly trim their wick, and the, f- uh, according to Jesus, the foolish virgins, virgins said to the wise ones, quick, we, we, we're running out of oil, we haven't bought enough oil, give us some of yours. The wise ones said, we can't, we'll run out as well, but there's, you can go and buy some. So they ran off to buy some, and guess what? While they were gone, the bridegroom arrived and he took the five wise um, brides to be with him. The foolish ones came to him and, and the story says that he said to them, I don't know you, I don't know who you are, go away. And so they missed out. And it's a, it's a very similar story to what Jesus told a number of times and, and kind of the way it approaches and and that, but there's some com- uh, there's some points that I just want to touch on, and one is the fact they all had the same information. They all knew that the bridegroom was coming. They all knew that it was nighttime. They all had lamps. They had wicks. They had oil. They had everything they needed, and yet some didn't act the same as the wise ones. Some chose to do. So the knowledge was the same for each, but the difference that made them wise was what they chose to do again with that knowledge. It's good, isn't it? I'm not saying, I'm not saying my speaking's good. I'm saying the, the principles are good. It's, it's very interesting, isn't it? The Bible talking about knowledge is, is good. It's, it's great. So I've got a few teaching points. And the first one is this. Godly wisdom causes us to honor God fully. Proverbs 9 says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is 
the beginning of wisdom according to the Bible. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, it doesn't mean wisdom like my knees are knocking and I'm shaking and I'm trembling because I fear God so much. It's talking about a good, healthy respect and honor for God. We are foolish not to respect the fact that he's an awesome God. He's a big God. He's a powerful God. Bible says he spoke the world into being. He's that powerful. He thought it. He said it. It happened. He's that big. We need to honor the fact he is that big. He is that powerful. And we're foolish if we don't. Number two, godly wisdom causes us to make the necessary adjustments to keep God in first place. Jesus said, if in, you know, as we're living, if things come between us and God, get rid of them. He said, Jesus said, if your eye makes you sin, pluck it out. Now, he didn't actually mean pluck your eye out. He just means deal with the issue. If something's, if something's holding us back from being closer to God, get rid of it. Don't let anything come between God and you. Point three, godly wisdom values others as God does. Godly wisdom values others as God does. Second commandment, Jesus said, he said, and this is very similar to the first commandment. He said, love others as yourself. Love others as yourself. Why is that? Because the thing I've realized is what matters to God should matter to me. What matters to God should matter to me. You know, God loves every single person. He doesn't just love the people in Lane Park Church. He loves the people outside of Lane Park Church. We had a great night at Zest on Friday night, and we were talking about uh, some culture stuff. What do we want Zest to be like in the future? And we kind of got the Zest youth to initiate the kind of things that they think it should be like. And and one of them was um, that that we like, you know, that we treat people well who aren't that cool. Because the world loves cool people, doesn't it? But God loves all people. God, in fact, Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus stayed away from the cool people. Largely, he went to the uncle. His disciples weren't cool. They were often people who society kind of didn't think that highly of. They weren't, they weren't religious kind of hierarchy. They weren't scribes. They weren't Pharisees. They weren't, you know, they weren't, they weren't the trendy kind of intelligent sort of go-getters. No, he chose common people who would change the world. If you look at your watch today, you know, it's the first, first of March. 2020, the year of our Lord, they changed the world. They changed the date stamp. God loves people. We should too. Number four, godly wisdom causes us to link strongly to love. Link strongly to love. You know, I I said, what does this sound like before when I was describing wisdom at that scripture in James? 
This is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and most of us will know it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But love will remain. Isn't that interesting? What we know is going to pass away. All our spiritual stuff, speaking in tongues and prophecies, and you know that sometimes we can think, ooh, they're a prophet. They can speak in tongues, they can prophesy, all this. It's going to pass away. Love is going to remain. Love is going to remain. Back to that, James, it's, you can basically interchange a lot of those characters. And, and as I think about wisdom, and I can't say I've got wisdom figured out because I sure haven't. I, I don't think I have it sorted out anywhere near. But the, the more I look at it, the more I realize that God's idea of wisdom is actually linked so strongly and interwoven with love that you can't, if you remove love from it, it stops being wisdom. Because a lot of the characteristics that I read out in James are the same characteristics I read out in, in 1 Corinthians there. It's the same primary motivations. It's interesting, eh? Yet the world doesn't look at it like that. The world often thinks, you know, it's what we know, it's what books we've read, it's what degrees we've done, it's the, it's the theses we've done. And that is, as I said, great stuff. But God's way of viewing things is so very different. So my encouragement to you this morning is give yourself to love. Give yourself to love. Give yourself to love God, to love others. And this is wisdom. Use the knowledge. And, and I'm not saying don't go after knowledge. I think we should, we should never stop learning. I made a decision years and years ago that until the day I die, I will never stop learning. It, learning is going to be a continual way of life for me. I, every single day, I want to learn something, be learning something new. But I want to put it through the processor and work it out with love. So it actually means something. Because the Bible, as I read, it's all going to cease. But love will remain. How we treat each other will remain. How we love and live for God will remain. I'll pray. Father, we thank you, God, for love. We thank you, God, that there is this incredible thing that we don't really even still understand called love. We don't understand you. We don't understand your ways. We don't fully understand love even. 
uh, but we thank you for it. We thank you for the power that it has, the power that you came after us and you brought us back to yourself because of love, your love for us. You sent Jesus to die for us because of your love for us. You allowed us to come back into your family because of your love for us. And you journey with us because of your love for us. And you give us the ability to not only be loved, but to ourselves love others and to love you. And I just pray as we journey in you that you'll take us deeper. May we continue to learn. May we continue to learn all there is in this world, all the natural stuff and and all the good stuff, all the knowledge in that. But may we put it to love. May we live it out for you. May we use it to to make us more effective in touching other people, helping other people for you, responding well in our relationships with one another for you. Father, in Jesus' name.